Hello, everyone. This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. That was Indian Summer by Justin Moore. Uh, that's his new EP called Indian Summer, uh, and it's on iTunes, of course. Justin Moore, M-O-O-R-E. Uh, since, you know, tomorrow is the autumnal equinox, as they say, uh, I thought, you know, play a little Indian Summer song for you guys. 
welcome everyone. It's Thursday, September 22nd. Uh, this is my last show for New Dissident Radio. But do not worry, folks. Tomorrow, I mean, tomorrow, <laughs> my brain is so fucked up right now. Next week, I will be uh, on a new network. I will be on Smodcast, smodcast.com, S-I-R, Smodcast Internet Radio. That is Kevin Smith's internet network. Uh, very excited about that. The big move. Uh, nothing much is going to change here, except I will be uh, having a little more time on the radio. And I'll have more time with my guests, which I'm very excited about. I'll be doing a 90-minute show. And don't know about if I'm going to go live or not yet. I think next week we're going live. Next week is my, my guest is Margaret Cho, which is also very exciting. So I'll have a lot of time with her. But I'll get a chance to play more music, uh, more comedy, and have some friends who live in the neighborhood come by and... Um, you know, do a little chatting with people like Rick Overton and Paul Provenza, you know, silly, fun people like that, Dylan Brody. Uh, so that's that. The big news is that this is my last show for the NDR. And um, so, you know, it's been a weird kind of week, as you all know. Uh, I just put this on my Facebook page. Uh, here's kind of my summary of the week so far. Uh Dancing with the Stars with Chaz Bono, which I'm very Bono, which I'm very very excited about because when I was in elementary school, Chaz was in kindergarten, and I remember when he was a she, and she uh, would come up to me with pennies in her hand and say, "I have a shiny penny." She was very very cute, and I watched him on Dancing with the Stars. I've never watched that show before in my life. Not that I'm against those kind of shows because I watch other ones, as you know, American Idol and stuff like that. But that one I never watched, but had to watch Chaz, and Chaz was great. So we have that. We have Chaz Bono. And then we go uh, to the Wall Street protests, which um, we're getting no coverage at all by the mainstream media, which was just, you know, so typical. You get three uh, people from the Tea Party together and every single major media network uh, outlet comes and shows up. But, you know, you get a couple of hundred or I don't even know how many people ended up down there. Maybe my guest today will know. Um, uh, down in Wall Street protesting that. Um, and no, no, no real coverage sad. And then add to that um, the execution last night of, of two people, actually. Troy Davis, which is uh, a travesty because most likely this gentleman was uh, innocent and and or had a lot of doubt about his guilt and should have absolutely, uh, the evidence should have been heard again. Uh, but also there was another gentleman who was uh, a person that I don't think many people would like at all. Um, something Russell, can't remember his whole name. Uh, but uh, he also was executed last night, and uh, I'm not a fan of c capital punishment at all. I think it should be abolished, so I'm, I'm sad about that, that the states decided to do that. Um, but uh, And then the other strange thing about America is that, of course, X Factor uh, with Simon Cowell um, premiered this week, so everything should be fine because Simon Cowell has a new show, and and it'll heal. It'll heal all of our minds. Or no, that'll just be like scar tissue. Maybe I don't know exactly what. <laughs> uh, anyway, what else is up? Um, still working on my show, my live show. I've been rehearsing it all week. It's been really exciting doing some rewriting and stuff and actually got it back on my feet again with it. And that's a Carlin Home Companion that I'm working on. And, um, you know, you know, I don't know if any of you are writers out there or painters or any kind of artist or performers. And if you don't do it for a while, and then you have to get back to it, like the, the empty page, or even to rewrite something or to rehearse something, there's always that feeling in your stomach of like, Oh, fuck, I don't want to fucking open up the document, or I don't want to fucking, you know, rehearse the piece or something. Because I don't know, there's like some sort of dread associated with it. This is what happens for me. And then like the minute I got on my feet, and I started working on it, I was like, Oh, my God, I so love this. I, now I remember why I wrote this and I'm doing this piece. <laughs> oh, the mind is so fucked up. Truly, truly. Oh, I think I need drugs. Who knows? Uh, Anyway, I want to get to my guest today because I'm very excited to have this person on. Uh, my guest today is Jamie Kilstein, who came to me via Paul Provenza, like so many fantastic comics have come to my life through Paul. And I remember um, I did not know Jamie, and I went to this show that Paul was producing and uh, Jamie was performing on. And after Jamie, while Jamie was, while he was performing, and then afterwards, certainly, I just, I had this like lump in my throat because I thought to myself, Wow, I think we're going to be okay because the next generation, the next generation is going to keep speaking the truth. 
and I'm really thrilled about that. I'm going to play a little clip here from Jamie's um, new album called Libel, Slander, and Sedition is the name of the uh, album. It's on iTunes. Uh, but here's a little clip, and then we'll talk to Jamie. Barack Obama is sending 40,000 more troops to Afghanistan. 40,000. That is the opposite of none. That is the opposite of ending the war. That is George Bush, Genghis Khan, my dick is bigger than yours bullshit, and it has to stop. We are fucking up this war so badly that I'm waiting for America to go all in and combine our greedy capitalism with our foreign policy and start shipping McDonald's to Iraq or Taco Bell's to Afghanistan. You could call it Operation Kill the Terrorist Slowly. <laughs> and be like, hey, how they finally get Bin Laden? Type 2 diabetes. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, very good. What about El Sadr? Ah, he's working two jobs. Late shift at Hooters, got a bit of a drinking problem. Riddled in debt, but he's still alive? Not on the inside. That's Operation American Dream. The reason, the reason that Muslims are mad at us, and this is a long shot, kind of a stab in the dark, is because we keep going over to all their countries and shooting everything that fucking moves. But if you ask Jimmy Lynch and Negro McGee and his crew of mullets from the great state of Leonard Skinner what they think, they'll tell you something different. These are the people that we don't profile in airports because white folk commit their crimes on the ground. If you ask them what they think, they'll say, well, them dirty Arabs hate us because of our slutty girls and iPods. Really? That's what caused September 11th? Slutty girls and technology? Because never once have I seen a girl going for a jog with a pair of short shorts and an iPod and been so overcome with rage that I've gotten into my airplane, chased her down the beach, and flew it into her fucking face. Now, if the slutty girl with an iPod came into my ordered cruise missiles into my village or drone strikes on my wedding, which, by the way, if anyone doesn't know what drone strikes are, those are literally robots with guns. We are literally killing people with Robots with guns, oh good. It's not like I've ever seen that go terribly wrong before, except every science fiction movie ever fucking made ever. Or maybe if the slutty girl with an iPod came into my country and overthrew a democratically elected leader, then I might be like, you know what, slutty girl with an iPod? That's some fucked up shit you just did. And I'm gonna fly my airplane into your fucking face. But that probably didn't happen because it's a slutty girl with an iPod. And if terrorists hated technology so much, why haven't they bombed Japan? Huh. We're going to be all right, Minneapolis. Not all shows have gone this well. We'll see how. It's been a weird week. So, simple solutions, man. Hey, Jamie. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so awkward. That was such a, a nice... Uh, intro, but uh, I was hoping to debut uh, some of my new material today, such as why aren't women sucking more dick? Am I right? <laughs> uh, well, I that was stand-up comedy so much. That was kind of going to be like one of my first questions was clearly what, why aren't women sucking more dick. Yes, no, clearly, you know, like I, I can't even imagine a person with your mindset and your integrity and and your kind of mission through your work uh having to go to comedy clubs and be an opening act and doing dick jokes well i mean the the good news was uh the first two people i got to open for like seriously got to open for uh were mark Marin and doug stanhope oh wow fantastic so that was that kind of gave me uh this sort of it's sort of especially with doug it was really awesome where I knew I could say whatever I wanted, but I also could take risks because I knew that if I bombed terribly, Doug might even like me more. And so that was great. But in the, in the clubs, yeah, it's really brutal. Like I actually finally got to a point where I don't, I don't have to go to clubs anymore, Good. Uh, which is great. I mean, I used to literally just show up with a book and my headphones. And don't get me wrong, there are some, like, amazing comics out there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, the ones even there, – there are plenty who aren't political who are still very smart and prophetic. Yes, and, you of know, course. Yeah, some really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jesus, man, I'm like, I just, I just don't understand. It seems like all the bullies that I – 
like when I went to I went to comedy because of the bullies. And I was like, well, I'll go here where there are smart people mm. and people have conversations and people read and people make fun of the bullies and people talk about comic books and, 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 and nerdy TV shows and stuff like that. And then it seems like suddenly all those bullies just fucking, I don't know if they just saw like Dane Cook or like just other good looking comics who kind of made it. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to do comedy. And it just seems like that same sort of just mean frat boy mentality where you go to any club in New York and the host, you know, the material, the, the first. 15 minutes he does is just pointing at, you know, guys in the front row and it's like, hey, nice shirt, fucking fatty. Hey, how long you been with your your, your woman? Is, is she fingering your asshole? Or just calling people gay or just every bad racial stereotype imaginable. My favorite new thing in New York is white guys pretending that uh, people are racist against them in order to let them like hash out <laughs> Give, every awful right. racist stereotype. So Get they'll be them, like, uh, yeah. I saw this one guy who was literally like, I'm a, I'm Italian. And because, you know, because of all the Italian hardship going on right now, I'm Italian. And uh, sometimes people come up to me and they're like, Hey, are you from the Sopranos? And I'm like, that's racist. That would be like if I went up to a Mexican and was like, hey, you fucking dirty stick. And then just like, just this laundry <laughs> list of like horrible wow. racist. I mean, or that's a, like a Chinese guy, like ching chong chang. And it's like, holy shit, dude. Um, so yeah, it's it's bad. But I mean, I, I, I was a really shitty comic too when I started and came up. And like, I wasn't good. Um, and I probably thought that that's what you're supposed to do. And I, I sort of thought that's what edgy was. Right, you know, just, right. Um, well, I, I think uh, that might be part of it, too. I think that might be a clue into some of these, you know, for them, that's edgy. It's like, you know, if, if I can, um, you know, kind of cross some sort of personal insulting barrier, which 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 definitely heightens the tension in the room, which, sure. you know, so makes it feel like a more edgy atmosphere. But but really, I mean, they're they're not forwarding the conversation, which in my mind is really what technically edgy should be like you're 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 edging towards you know people's you know people's ability to to think about things and and right and, i mean it's it's not edgy if a five-year-old can do it you know what i mean like any <laughs> five-year-old can, can accidentally say the n-word any five-year-old can point at a guy and say he's fat you know what i mean they're not suddenly going to be like oh that five-year-old is an iconoclastic genius like no one's gonna that. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a story about me, just so I don't seem really pretentious and like I'm just ragging on other comics. Yes. Um, but, but, but first, I, I really wanted to agree with your point, and I think that actually happened even in the uh, a little while. You know, a couple of, when I started, the alternative comedy scene was really exciting. It was Louis C.K. and Mark Maron and Janine Garofalo and Sarah Silverman and. You know, even some of the people who did the alt scene and the clubs. Uh-huh. And it was happening a lot in New York and L.A. and, uh, you know, Dana Gould and, and Los Angeles and all those guys. Yep. And, and and now the alt scene has just become, even that's really bad. And it's not as, like, blatantly offensive or sexist or homophobic or racist as a... As the club scene, but you know, Paul and I have these really long conversations about it. Where it, it Wait, is, Paul has long conversations story. with everyone about everything. No, just kidding. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying I'm, I'm not the only one Paul's got the highway? Because I thought that was our fucking thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jamie. Me and Provenza had I've, a tradition. I've crushed you. I know. I'm sorry. Where we would so far and we would talk about comedy, and he'd get rambly, and I'm like, oh, Paul's getting rambly because it's me, because it's me, Jamie, his buddy, his only friend um sorry so so uh but 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 they really distance themselves from stuff too you know Mm. what i mean it's just this really removed kind of like i don't need to be here Mm. it's cool that i'm here yes it's the aloof thing yeah and i i I, and and then they'll also do stuff where i've seen all, all comics who i know aren't racist just try to see if they could use the N-word or try to see mm. if they can, you know, and, and you know it's strictly, it's not I have this really original concept that leads me here. Right. It's that they write the punchline first, <laughs> and they're like, how do I get there? How do I get to, you know, whatever tragedies in the news that day? Right. How do I get to I raped the Pope? How do I get to that? And they're just almost writing to get to that edgy punchline. And, and in reality, I mean, I think the edgiest thing on my new CD is a story about, like, my dad. I totally was, agree, was, Jamie, yes. It was the first time I was, like, really, like, okay, like, I have to put myself out there. 
uh, as well. And, and I feel like I feel like that's the edgiest thing someone can do nowadays is just. And it doesn't have to be personal. It doesn't have to be political. Just something that could bite you back in the ass. I, I something t- that you yeah. have to take a. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to take real is. personal responsibility for. And and, exactly. and I and I do think that it, it is interesting because I mean I've only it's you know I I have not I've only been part of this comedy scene for a few years and and you know really observing it and and kind of immersing myself in it. And and really seeing that that people who are interesting to me are people who are willing to not get like overly narcissistic. I mean, although that happens too because you're on stage and you're talking about yourself. But there is something about bringing the sensitive side and not necessarily going for the the crushing laugh or something like that. There's just there's a vulnerability that's happening on stage. And, yeah. and and you know, Gary Shandling and I talk about this a lot because Gary's trying to do something different in that way. He's trying to just have authentic moments, like moment by moment on stage where he's got some things he's going to do, but he, he wants to actually be alive and experiencing things on stage and sharing it with I the audience. That. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's going beyond this term comedy almost in some ways. It's some sort of other art form it's kind of morphing into. It's, you know, of performance of some, some totally. sort. Well, I mean, I remember Shanling. Um, he's so brilliant because he can just say a sentence and his delivery mm-hmm. is just so fucking crushing without trying. Like, I remember there was this, there was this award show. Oh, and then I have to get back to when I was a douchebag with the edgy. <laughs> yes, we must, um, must hear about your douchebag. There, 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 uh, there was this award show. I think Seinfeld was getting the award and it was like Gary Shan. And then there was a panel and it was uh, Gary Shanling, uh, Robert Klein, and Chris Rock. And Robert Klein, like, kept going into material because that's just what he does. Yes. He's just used to that. Yep. And they were all having this conversation. And he wanted to – and he wanted to – he would go into material. And it did all right because it was funny material, but it was very clearly kind of crowbarred in. And I remember he <laughs> got into one of his bits so much that he stood up. Mm. And he started and, – and the bit had nothing to do with what they were talking about. He just got into it. And he stood up and he got into this bit. And he stopped. And Shanling just goes – Wait, I didn't know we were allowed to stand up. <laughs> and like the police went apeshit. And it was just because it was so, and it did so much better than this pre run. And I'm sure Robert Klein has killed all over the world. Absolutely, yes. But just that being in the moment and at perfect <sighs> timing yes. and not being mean. Right, right. But just stating what happened. And <laughs> it's one of the most brilliant things in comedy. Uh, uh, we can stand up. It was so funny. Um, okay, so here's what I did the edgy, trying to be edgy thing. The douchebaggery so, thing, yes. Yeah, the, the whole douchebag thing. Um, when, and I didn't do it on purpose, but I grew up on the kind of comedy. I grew up on like Opie and Anthony shock jock comedy, uh-huh. where I didn't know anything about politics. Um, you know, it was guys like Jim Norton were going on the show and, and stuff like that. And it was just, um, you know, my whole grade in comedy, we're, we're trying to be little Jim Norton's or little Dave Attell. Now, mm-hmm. what makes Dave Attell and Jim Norton so great is they're honest and they're being who they are, right? Mm-hmm. So Jim Norton, you know, is he doing prostitute jokes or is he telling stories about him being a sex addict? And he's right. telling stories about him being a sex addict. And that vulnerability is what makes it more interesting, right? Whereas a bunch of people coming up with me would just, again, how do I write a joke that gets to me beating a hooker to death and putting her in my truck? <laughs> and and it, it was all, like, wow. very fake and very manufactured. Right. And, you know, I didn't realize that one of the great tools of the right wing was accusing the left of being, like, overly politically correct. We're mm. like, oh, the, the PC police, the politically correct people. And I was always on that side, too, where I'm like, yeah, you can say whatever you want. Like, who gives a shit if it completely hurts someone's feelings or, or you know, if you're bullying someone into committing suicide. I have freedom of speech. Right. Howard Stern says I do or whatever. And so, you know, I mean, I would definitely, anytime, if I could get the word cunt in, if I could get the word faggot in, <laughs> if I could get any of those words in, I was like, that's what comics did. Like, to me, that's what comics did. It was how do I make this really edgy thing funny? And, but at the same time, I was very left-wing. So I was, I was just, like, getting up on stage, like, hey, faggot cunt. Like, I, 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 I would try to work those words in, 
Um, <laughs> although now that I said that out loud, I'm like, that is pretty funny. Well, it's kind of um, how you start your album too, a little bit, because you know you, you get the oh, you the get the crowd you get the you yeah. get yeah you get the crowd on your side by mentioning masturbation. Well, that actually happened by accident, where <laughs> that that ended up being an ad lib because I feel like uh, the comics who went before me was bombing with really smart stuff. And then just for one show, I mean, he did great the rest of the week, but he had one rough set. And then he did a sex joke and the audience went crazy. <laughs> so I was kind of just assuming that set was going to be me versus the audience. And I was just trying to uh. bait them like antagonistically at first. <laughs> and then, uh, and then it just ended up working and I was like, all right. Um, so, uh, so anyway, yeah. So that opening track is literally the mind of every comic. I think where it's just like, I'm going to fucking fuck uh. these people. And then you're like, Oh, you like me? Okay. okay. <laughs> um, and so, uh, all right. So I had this joke that it was one of my first jokes. And this is one of the things me and Provenza got into an epic argument about. Because mm-hmm. Paul, you, this is all going to make more sense to you. Paul tried to bait me into doing this joke on the green room. Mm. And the joke was this. The joke was, it was talking about Texas. And this is when he was trying to kind of pit me. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, unsuccessfully, because Rob White doesn't care about me. Because I don't know, he has a personal jet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know if he's going to be bothered by me since he has billions of dollars. Um, so he goes, uh, so the joke was, I was talking about how I did a show in Texas and I got like a bottle thrown at me in Texas and this is all true. And then I said something like, uh, you know, the first thing you see when you get to Texas is like the giant sign that says, don't mess with Texas. And, and this part I said on the show where, because he really pushed me hard. He goes, what was the motto? And I said, you know, that's the only motto where... Or that's the only state motto where the motto is a threat. And mm. now that's where I stopped it in the green room. And that mm. seems like a very subpar joke. Where the joke went after that, which I still think is subpar, but at the time it did well, um, was if that's the motto they went with, just imagine the ones they had to pass up. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, so then I was like, you know, Texas, you better back the fuck up, faggot. And everyone was like, ah, and they would laugh. So to me, that joke was very left-wing because I'm making fun of the bigots in Texas. I'm saying right. you better back the fuck up in a, in a southern drawl. Right. I'm clearly taking on this persona right. as a racist. I, in my head, I'm like, that's what subversive comedy was. I'm like, I'm being subversive. And, and I did it for a long time. And then two things happened. Um, the first one was – now, and, and gay people, you know, I mean, Jesus Christ – Every year, even when I write a brand new hour, at least a half an hour will be about gay rights. And it'll be new material. I mean, I just wrote, yes. there's a whole gay rights rant on my album. I just wrote another new five-minute one with material that doesn't touch that. It's right. like, that's how much I'm kind of immersed in this argument. Yes. So gay people never really said anything. I remember, like, there may have been a couple shows where it was kind of squeamish, but I just, like, ignored it. Um, and so then what happened was I was at the... Broadway Comedy Club, which is just this fucking dungeon in New York, <laughs> and I was bombing, and I was like, I just remember that Texas joke did well everywhere. It was mm. just one of those universal jokes. Now, usually in my head, if I'm bombing, I'll say, oh, I'll do the gay rights joke, or I'll do the war joke. But this night in my head, and I didn't realize this after I got off stage, I said, oh, I'll do the faggot joke. Mm. Right? And I do it. And it kills. Mm. And I think it killed, and it mainly killed, when they just heard that word. There's just something about the, the word, the enunciation. Yeah. I don't think the whole room's filled with homophobes, necessarily. Right, right. There's just something about, like you said, with an edgy word where people just went, <clears throat> and, and it did really well. And that's when I was like, okay, like, I'm doing this uh, totally for the wrong reason. And, right. you know, the bottom line is I had this great, we had Paula Tompkins on our show, and, you know, he said he feels the same way about the word retard or retarded. Mm. And uh, number one, you know, you should be good enough to write around the word. But number two, it's like if you can talk all you want about free speech, you can talk all you want about, you know, the PC liberals. And, and a lot of times, like, I get it. But if I'm going to say something where I could spend 10 minutes to come up with a more clever word, and even if one person in the audience, if that's going to make them think of like, I don't know, when like a bully threatened their life in high school and called them a faggot or when a bunch of frat boys screamed that out at them, 
uh, on the street, and suddenly you have this comic who's sticking up for you, saying the word like it's nothing. I'm like, it's, it's not worth it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's really not. And then um, I feel so terrible telling this story because she's one of the nicest people ever. But there was um, <laughs> it's it just it's just so crazy. Where my whole thought on it is. I know how I mean it, and that's what most comics say. Mm-hmm. This is where me and Paul differed. I know how I mean it, but I don't trust the populace with it. I've been on Twitter. I've seen YouTube comments. You know what I mean? I don't want my fans, my younger fans, thinking that because I say that word that they can throw it around mm. because I don't know if they'll be necessarily responsible with that word, and I don't want it to be because it's me. Right? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a very egotistical, shitty thing to say, but... What happened was um, this woman who is, again, so lovely, um, and she has this awesome kid who's like a fan of mine. And I remember she first emailed me and was like, hey, my kid, but he was really young. But he's like, he's a fan of yours and like Mitch Hedberg. And I'm like, you know what? At first I was like, oh, my stuff's so inappropriate. But I'm like, that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? (laughs) Totally, yes. I I at least know like the heart behind my jokes. So I'm like, you know what? If that's going to make him more tolerant or, you know, whatever. Like, he's going to hear those words. I'd rather be from me than, like, fucking Daniel Tosh or whatever. So he, uh, so, like, a couple, it was suspiciously before the green room, which is why I was so touchy about this. Um, she sends me this video, and she's like, you're going to love this, because now all my friends, my, my kids' friends listen to you. And I was like, and she's like, they taped something for you. And the second she said that, my heart Bank mm. because I knew exactly what bit it was going to be hmm. uh, because it, it's just a catchy bit mm. and I, I just knew what it was going to be and my wife was in the same room with me so I purposely plugged in my headphones because I was like so scared mm. and sure enough like an Aryan pride parade oh dear there's like five of the whitest kids I've ever seen in my life and they shout in unison you better back the fuck up Saturday. and mm. I was just I just and I was like, oh, wow. like I felt so nauseous. And like, you know, again, to her credit, like I wrote to her and I was like, you need to explain to them what that means that you can use that. And she was like, I know I did. And, you know, they do. And, and I, I, I totally believe her. But uh, but at the same time, I'm just like, I can't I don't want someone to be. It's like Chris Rock had this issue with the, the black people versus N word. Yeah. Where all these people will come up to him like white people. And be like, yeah, like this guy, right? He's not a black person, but he's an. <laughs> and he would be like, oh my god, like yeah. stop it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think language can be really powerful, and you kind of have to take responsibility. As, well, as a and I, you know, I think it's. I mean, uh, my head starts to get fuzzy around all of this stuff because, you know, uh, there, there, I'm on. I'm of two minds of this. I really am. I mean, a, a part of me gets that it stings a, a certain part of the population. And and certainly when you use it in a way that's cruel or demeaning. Um, but, you know, I think, too, like if you're if you're doing a persona of a person who is. Right. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you're if you're trying to use it. you know, And, and I get it. You, we can't be responsible for or, or, or you, you know, you can try to be responsible for how people are going to take your material and stuff like that. And yet, you know, like I mean, like, you know, I, I think about how I was educated around this stuff. And, you know, right. my dad always, you know, said my job is to afflict, afflict, uh, afflict the comfortable and, and comfort the afflicted. And, um, and yet, you know, he, he talked about the word cripple and, mm-hmm. and the use of the word cripple and how cripple is an absolutely legitimate word to describe someone who has a handicap because, that was the definition of it growing up. And it's actually, if you look in the, in the dictionary, that is the definition. It's not, you know, it's not used to demean someone. It's just actually to explain their condition. And it's, and it's the same thing with, with, with retardation. I mean, retardation means the retardation of, you know, uh, of brain development. I mean, literally, (laughs) and yet, and, and yet it's been turned around and used now to, to, you know, to just kind of make fun of uh, someone's low IQ, you know, in all sorts of ways. And that obviously these people have lots of different things they bring to the table than just their IQ. And, you know, they have a heart and a soul and, and, and all sorts of amazing things that go with that. And, um, 
I mean, this is really interesting. This is why I wanted to bring it up with you because of your it, dad. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know that the majority of people listening to your show agree with me politically, so I want to try to like. Yeah, I mean, and and I think it's I think it's a, I think it's something that we just need to keep having a conversation about. And and I, yeah. you know, I always get really really nervous when people are like, you know, you have to strike this off the list and it can never be used again. And yet, my my dad, I mean, growing up, I was not allowed to tell you know Polish jokes in the house. They were allowed. I was only allowed to tell idiot jokes because my dad. Huh. Th- yes, so my dad would say, "You know, it's not a Polish joke." I, ju- I was only allowed to tell retard jokes. <laughs> right. I get it. Retard. So the retard cripple, not a Polish guy, <laughs> just the retard cripple. The retard cripple faggot. <laughs> but but and it's funny because you know I see some of my dad's older material and he'll do the gay guy. Uh, sometimes oh, right. he'll go I into the hits do like a kind of gay guy thing and i was like oh no yeah right. and i'll and i'll yeah. kind of like cringe a little bit too like oh dad you know but you know there is there is that guy in the world there is that yeah. guy who exists yeah. and we all know who he is and he has a perspective and that's the character you're playing in that moment well, um, and, and this is where i go back and forth because because part of me doesn't know like for that joke for that texas joke the joke just wasn't good enough. The persona just wasn't <laughs> uh, to, to justify using that word. I get it. Wasn't it. Like this yes. like deep persona. I just sort of did a bad Southern accent for like three seconds. <laughs> right. Um, Louis C.K. has a bit where he's dropping the F-bomb and the N-word in the same bit. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Yeah. It's all about how when people say the N-word, that makes him think of the actual word yes so he's like you're making Agreed. me say that word in my head and then he keeps going back and, and it's agree i haven't seen it right. in ages so i don't want to quote it but it's so yes. smart yeah and and then at the same time you know part of it we have uh, an incredibly progressive show and you know half of our fans found me through stan hope or joe rogan or whatever the other half found us through democracy now or mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. So it's this really interesting combination of like hardcore comedy fans and hardcore activists. And I remember getting so mad one day and, and, and this is, this is where it becomes tough. And this is where I'm actually talking out questions right now yeah. because we were, you know, I, I, I announced that I'm like, I'm not going to use the word faggot anymore because of all the reasons I just told you. Mm-hmm. And then like a couple weeks later, we call, we call Sarah Palin retarded or something. We called someone retarded. And we got a bunch of emails from people with that. And I was like, okay, so I guess we don't say that either. <laughs> and what's so interesting is at first I got really mad at those people mm-hmm. because I'm like, you know, you have no problem when we make fun of this guy, when we make fun of that group, when we make fun of that. But the second, you know, clearly you know someone who is mentally handicapped. Right. And that's what's pushing you off here. But then... So, so I get furious, and I'm like, you know, just really mad about it. But then I'm like, well, that's just the same as someone who's saying, well, when you say faggot, it really offends me. And, uh, on the other hand, Allison and I used to live with two gay dudes, and I've never heard that word more in my oh, life. Oh, absolutely. Um, of course. Does that give me an excuse? And, and no. And it, does that not mean that uh, there is uh, there are gay people out there who have really not just negative but scary connotations when they hear that word? Yeah. Sure. You know, so yeah. I, I, I well, think the key is just be, again, it's just right with your heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't, don't throw that word in for an extra punch. Don't whatever. But if you're really going to dissect something, like now I'm trying to work on this whole bit about how the word faggot and the word queer, there's no punchline yet, so p- please nobody expect that, um, how that shouldn't be the word that should make people cry. The word, if you call someone a bigot or if you call someone a homophobe, like that's the word that I want people to fucking Mm. cower because those are the people that have something to be ashamed of. Mm. So in order to do that bit and explore that, clearly I have to say the word and I have to say it with that punch to kind of put that fear in you Mm -hmm. and then say bigot with even more disdain. Right. And so like, I'm trying to like work out that. And so I I feel like it should be, yeah, completely off, 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 well, and, and, and I mean, here's and here to even widen the, this conversation a, a, a little bit more is, uh, you know, I find sometimes when I get like caught up in the Twitter thing and there's, um, you know, and yes, I'm basically a progressive lefty. Absolutely. But I'm also this person who really questions. I, I really like to question every angle. And, you know, sure. the left drives me crazy half the time, you oh, know, and, uh, and the right scares the me. And, yeah. and, and I really see the language that we use to describe each other. 
um, on Facebook and on Twitter and these social media places where we kind of can show up. We don't have to look at each look each other in the eye. And, you know, and, and like the whole tea bagger thing, you know, it's like, you know, or when people talk about um, certain people on the right, like Michelle Bachman and Sarah, Sarah Palin and all those people and, and Rick Perry right now, you know, and we kind of we kind of couch them as these, you know, we put the, we, we, we we make them into monsters and we we, we demonize them. Uh, and and, in a, you know, and it 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 starts to worry me because I know that if our people are being talked about that way, when you go to the right wing Twitter feeds and the, <laughs> and the right wing Facebook feeds, right. I would be, um, I would be thoroughly offended and I would be um, disgusted and I would be hurt but too. I mean, and I would be defensive. And so they I are, I mean, Jesus, even if you just look up Troy Davis today, the people that are just like, you know, I mean, Ann Coulter saying, well, you know, we were barbecuing him and you yes, know, all this she's, stuff. And she I is. I know you don't want to be on their level. She is in a league of her own, that woman. That right. woman, I, mean, I don't even think she has human in her anywhere. I, know, I question Allison that. was actually, Allie <laughs> made this really great point. Both of us did about her, uh, but she did first about how you shouldn't. We shouldn't even be retweeting her, like even ironically, or for people to go trash everything. Yeah, but but you know, attention. but the but, the whole thing is that you know, it's like if we're gonna, you know, the only way we're gonna we're gonna solve the world's major problems, you know, poverty, environmental issues, um, civil rights, human rights issues, is we're gonna have to learn to sit down and have conversations with each other. And, you know, I know what it's like to be in a household where parents are fighting and treating each other and calling each other horrible names. And, you know, it's hard to recover from that, you know, afterwards. There's a lot of baggage in a marriage after you call your wife a cunt, you know, or something like that. And I really worry about this, uh, you know, this kind of rhetoric, the way we've ramped it up on, on both sides, how we're going to, you know, how it's not going to lead to aiming guns at each other, you know, in 10 right. years well, or something like that. I, I think the problem is that, so, you know, what do, what does the left have over the right? Well, we have facts and I'm not going to have to be an asshole, but we do when it comes to climate change, when it comes to um, the economy, we have, we, I mean, literally have math on our side, right? And... So you try to take that approach. Every once in a while, a crazy right one girl right me. So a crazy one wrote today, just looking for attention. And I looked at her feet, and she was just writing the same thing to me, Democracy Now!, all these places where she was like, you know, how do we you know Troy Davis isn't guilty? And, you know, I was like, I, I know the answer to that. Okay, here we go. Uh, seven out of the nine witnesses uh, recanted. Several said they were intimidated. One pinned it. Uh, say, you know, said that uh, one of the only ones that didn't recant was the actual murderer and confessed to it. Uh, there's no DNA evidence. Witness testimony is shaky as it begins. At the very least, he should be given a retrial, like you said at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Here's the evidence. And then she's like, yeah, but you wouldn't say that if it was Bill Clinton. And I'm like, okay, we're not having a conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I get that. And, and, and I'm not talking about people. I'm not talking about trolls. You know, the trolls, no, I, I, the trolls no, you, oh, know, you can't talk to. But there are plenty of people who call themselves Republicans in this country who are really level-headed and easy to talk to and actually have well, a lot to say. And unfortunately, we don't get to hear from those people. <laughs> no. And, and, and it, well, I mean, a lot of those people, the thing is, it's like, What's uh, a lot? Take the media, for example. What does the media consider a logical Democrat? A Republican. You yeah, know what I mean? A right wing. Yeah. Uh, a right wing Democrat. It, it is fascinating. And yeah. it, 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 it's sort of similar with the, the, the logical Republicans I've met. I'll tell you exactly what happened. I do a comedy show in the Midwest or in the South. They come up to me after the show and they say, hey, man, I'm a Republican, but you were really funny. And then they go to walk away because that's usually where the conversation ends. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I say, wait. Why are you a Republican? Like, we're not going to leave until we agree on something, right? Right. And they go, well, I'm cool with the gay thing now. That was kind of like for an older generation. And I go, all right. What if someone comes back from Iraq and they're really injured? Should the government help them? Oh, my God, of course. If somebody needs help, the government should should help them, you know? And then we keep talking. And then by the end of it, it's like, so why are you a Republican? It's like, my dad is. Yeah, and it's, it's like, true. Yeah. They're just sort of these arbitrary labels. And these are the people, you know— I think that all the name calling, we're not going to convince Rick Perry because even if no. Rick Perry did know global warming was no. true, yeah. he's pandering to a base. Completely. He's a rich fucking politician. He's yes. a shill. 
the shell of a man, right? Um, who we're trying to convince are those people, and those people don't even have time to be fucking political. You look at, it's true. you know, so many of the people I think you're talking about, they're the ones that, you know, why did they want to go into Iraq? Well, because the news told them to. And it's so easy. I got into a screaming match on Pacifica Radio with some fucking, he's head raw, I think his name was, and he's like a political cartoonist, and he's a liberal. And, and I'm on the show, and we're having a good old time, and I'm on with uh, your friend Lee Camp, and we're, we're having a blast. And I go, you know, I go, I understand people who voted for Obama, but we really need to start criticizing Obama and holding him accountable now. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes, if you voted for Obama, you're, you're stupid. And I go, no, you're not. You aren't stupid at all. He goes, no, you're stupid. Look, I'm going to say it. And he went into this whole spiel that literally, if out of context, it sounded like a Bill O'Reilly spiel. It was like, people got to take personal responsibility. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's what Reagan says. You know what I mean? And you're calling yourself a liberal. I go, what about the, 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 the young black kid who just turned 18, doesn't have a fucking TV in his uh, house, so he hasn't watched the news, and sees that someone that looks like him is going to be president, and he votes for Obama. Is he stupid just because he doesn't fucking sit around drawing cartoons all day, so he has the, 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 the <laughs> option, the luxury to be on the fucking moveon.org mailing list? Do you know what I mean? And, 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 and those are the kind of people you hate. I, 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 I think when Rick Perry does something like execute uh, an innocent man or refuse to investigate, cover up the investigation, yeah. uh, to execute an innocent man, and then me or you go on Twitter and we go, hey, Rick Perry's kind of a son of a bitch. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's toning down or I don't think that's dumbing down the conversation because, you know, the onus should be on him because he executed an old guy. But that kind of liberal elitist rhetoric, I don't even count that guy in this, on the same fucking team as me. That's someone who wants to sit around, and I told him that, and just feel good about themselves. Uh, I'm like, what's the point of calling people stupid then when we can actually do something about it now? The bottom line is there were a lot of people who went into, who wanted us to go into Iraq because it, it all comes down to the media. It all comes down to what the media is showing us because if the media says Iraq attacked us, and again, you don't have the free time like me and you have time. I, I watch Democracy Now!, uh, in the morning, then I can uh, go read Glenn Greenwald. I can follow my wife, Allison Kilkenny, who's a journalist, her Twitter, all of those articles. We do a radio show. I read blogs all day, mm-hmm. converse with some of my favorite yeah, you're, journalists. Yeah, you're very right? well I, informed. Yes. Right. So, but I have that luxury yes. because I'm a dumb artist and I paid my dues and I lived out of my car for two years and now <laughs> I can sit around well, all day and fucking read blogs. If you have someone, a family who is trying to, you know, put themselves through college, someone who works two jobs, you have a single mother, they don't have time to watch Democracy Now! No, they, and you they don't have I mean? time for anything. They barely have time for laundry and um, and feeding the kids, and, and if they're lucky, exactly. to, t- to take well, a shower at the end of the see, night. Right. All this hatred, all this anti-immigrant fervor, and all, all this stuff, it always happens at times of economic hardship. Why? Because those are easy solutions. Right. If, and, if, if you just got fired from your job, and one pundit on the news says, well, that's because capitalism is broken and the upper 1% get everything while all of you suffer. So we have to completely just, you know, retake the system. And then the other guy says, uh, that Mexican next to you did it. You're kind of like, Oh, all right. Well, the Mexican's easier. I'll go after that guy. It's like people who hate Ralph Nader. It's like, well, we can either fix our entire electoral process, or you can go after the funny-looking old guy with the wonky eye. <laughs> and it's like, well, I'm going to go after the wonky eye guy. That's really easy. The, 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 the bigger solutions are really intimidating. So it's easier to fall into that trap of blame the immigrants, blame this, et cetera. Uh, absolutely. And, and fortunately, honey, we are, we've run out of time. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. I feel like I didn't even let you talk. Oh, <laughs> I feel like I just talked too much. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> you were on a roll. I wanted. I didn't. Was that fun? I didn't want you to go anywhere. I wanted you to keep did, going on your roll. Did you uh, get anything out of this? Uh, yes, totally, absolutely. No, I think it was great. I love talking about this stuff, and I wish we had more time. And next week, with my new show and on my new network, I'll have 90 minutes. So we'll have to have you on again so we can talk longer because I want to talk about you and your life also, not just about all this political crap. Oh yeah, you yeah, know yeah, that kind of stuff. And plus, you know, I want to interview Noam Chomsky, and I need some. I need some advice on that but um anyway but we have to i I can make that hookup happen i I, was i on like the season finale yes you're on my finale of of new dissident radio version of my show so i want to thank you for that yeah it's very cool 
Um, well, thanks, and uh, that's so cool that you're you're going to to Smith's place. I mean, thank you. Yeah, I'm very ever. very excited. So, everyone, you can find Jamie's uh, new album um, on the on the iTunes, as the old people yes. like to say. It's called mm-hmm. Libel, Slander, and Sedition. And um, what else? Find me next week on Smodcast. S M O D C A S T dot com. Kevin Smith's. Uh, internet radio, Smodcast Internet Radio. It'll be the same time. I'll have Margaret show on. And um, I want to thank Johnny Dam deeply, deeply from the bottom of my heart for inviting me to be here at New Dissident Radio, for taking such good care of me. And from day one saying, Kelly, be here for as long as you need to be here, but I know you'll be moving on soon. So God bless him. And even though he doesn't believe in God and I don't believe in a personal God, I just a transcendence kind of energy kind of a thing. So I don't know what else kind of word to say. It's a little awkward. I'll I'll, I'll bless Johnny. Jamie will bless him for me. Thank you. And um, everyone, uh, you can find me on Twitter, of course. Find Jamie on Twitter. Um, And if you have any suggestions or anything you want to tell me, you can email me at wfadradio at gmail.com. And thank you, Jamie, so much. And I'm going to play. Oh, my God. Thank you. You're amazing. You're very welcome. And I'm going to play a little song going out here. We're going to finish up with some more um, of Justin Moore's music from his EP. So go find him, too. And uh, we'll talk to you later, everyone. Looking past the ears as the clock on my wall passes time.